Hey everyone, welcome to another session of Conversations with Courageous Cancer Warriors. And today we have Tess Scott. So not only is she a breast cancer warrior, she's a mom of eight and now a author. I'm so excited to be talking to you, Tess. How are you? Awesome, awesome, so excited. So tell me a little bit about your journey and how you became an author. Okay, well, <laughs> it's a long journey because I'm old, but um, so I've, my life, like the, the name of the book, I'll just say that first. The name of the book is Listen, Sister, Finding Hope in the Freak Show of Life. Because <laughs> I always say, my husband says, our life has been a freak show. So in my past, I've been married four times, four, count all the fingers there, sister. And uh, I have eight kids. It's a blended family and adoptive family. And it's huge. And we had five teenage boys at one time, like, ah, the milk consumption. And it was just always crazy. And, and now I have five, I have nine grandchildren. That's right. And it's, yeah, it's, it's still a freak show, but I think all the things you go through in life, I felt really strongly that God wanted me to share my story, to encourage other women that they're not alone. You know, whatever it is we're going through, sometimes it feels like I am the only one walking around with one boob, or I'm the only one, what, whatever it is, you know, but really we're not, we're not the only one. I think almost I can't even imagine anything that I could be the only one, right? So somebody out there needs to be encouraged that it was hard. It was dang hard, but we made it through, you know, and you can too. So that's my why. That's my why of doing this. Oh, I love it because, you know, we're a firm believer here that you can't do anything without your tribe, right? Like you can't get through this journey without your community yeah. and you're definitely not alone. So I would love to hear from you. Like, how did this book even come about? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Again, back to the freak show thing. Um, my, so my husband and I, my husband Rick and I were divorced. Like, like I had been already married, like this is my third marriage. And I'm like, you know, I can't do this. And, uh, and things weren't going great, I guess, but I didn't think it was that bad. And then he decided he's going to leave. So I'm devastated. I don't want to be alone again, all those things. So there's some shame. There's like just lots of stuff. And, uh, but he did, he left and after he was gone for three years. And during that time when he was gone, like, I honestly am thankful for that time. I don't want to ever do that again, but I'm thankful for it because I grew during that time. I needed to be alone that time to be alone with God and to really like grow. And, uh, after that, you know, three years of being divorced, um, he came back and our marriage was, yeah, it's amazing. It's a miracle. Our, our marriage was, um, well, our relationship was reconciled. We dated for, I think, nine months and then um, got married and like we moved in together after we got married. Like it was like, this is serious. This is not like, this is not a game, you know? Um, so tons of like counseling and all kinds of stuff anyway. So that in itself is a story. And then three weeks after our wedding date, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Three weeks. And I thought, what, like, how can this happen? How could this be good timing? Like, you know, now I'm finally married to someone I love and, you know, my life is supposed to be great now. And now we're going through that. And I thought it was like the worst timing ever. But what I learned in the years after that is that it was actually the best timing ever. Um, 
if there's ever a good timing to have cancer, because it allowed my husband who had been gone for those four years to show me that he loved me, right. To take care of me. Um, he didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't know it was going to happen. Right. It was like, it was just a normal, um, mammogram and yeah. And, and it showed like our kids that, yeah, dad's here. He's in, he's like there. And if, if it would have been different timing, like if he would have, um, if I would have got sick and then he found out and said, you know what, you're sick, I'm going to come back. I would have been like, uh-uh, that is not happening. There's right. no way. Right. Right. So it did allow, and I had no choice, but to trust him and, and, you know, and, and it, it's always a long road, like going through this kind of thing, going through chemo, going through radiation, Herceptin, the whole thing. Um, and it's hard, but Lots of times I said to him things like, when you, when we got remarried, you didn't know that I was going to have no hair. You didn't know I was going to have a mastectomy. You didn't know all these things, right? Because neither one of us knew. And, you know, finally he said to me, Tess, I knew I'm going to be married to you for the rest of our lives. And I knew one of us is probably going to take care of the other one at some point. And that's what I'm in for, you know? So it was, it was a gift. It was a gift really. Yeah. And you know, you've said so much, so much. That's so good. First and foremost, like life gives you second chances. Mm. And that's what I absolutely love about your story is that regardless of your circumstance, right? Regardless of whether or not you're divorced and then you come back together or you have an illness and like you choose to leave whatever that looks yep. like for you, you always have another chance. And yep. I love that because so, especially the, the journey of, you know, cancer who that never really ends, right? Like there's always that thought in the back mm-hmm. of your mind of like, mm-hmm. ah, is this the time it's going to come back or whatever? Um, you know, we really can stand powerfully in that, you know what? You have a second chance at life. You have this day to move forward with and make it be whatever you want without any rules. Mm-hmm. There's no rules here. Yeah. Right. And I love that. I love that. Um, that that's exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Who cares what people think? Yeah. Just follow yeah. your heart and be true to you. Yeah. I love, I love that even though, like I would say it was harder. I don't know if you agree or what your exact situation is, but I think it was easier um, to lose a breast than it was to lose my hair mm-hmm. because I'm vain, I guess. And I mean, I have eeny, weeny, teeny, tiny little breasts anyways. So nobody would even notice really. And, and, and you wear clothes. So as far as like being in the world, that wasn't as hard, but losing my hair right through chemo was hard because everybody sees that. Yeah. And I struggled so much more with that part of it and the self image and like all of those things I found to be really hard. And then it came all in gray. Like, what (laughs) is that about? Yeah, no, it's true because I also know that, um, it's like that wiry black hair too, that happens. Right. But so you, you said something that's really great and I don't think it's vain. I think what, for me, how it lands, it's, you know, I'm a very private person to the point that I was diagnosed on my baseline mammogram, just like yourself, you know, routine mammogram going in there. Mm -hmm. And once 
I found out what was really going on, I didn't share it with anybody. Mm. I don't want people to know because I didn't want their pity. I also didn't want to have to be the person to manage their emotions mm-hmm. for what I'm dealing with here. Like, I get you care about me, but I can't deal with you right now being upset. So yeah. it took me a really long time. It took me a good year before I really was like, okay, I'm going to start sharing this with people. Um, and I can understand why losing your hair would be so difficult for you because there's no way to hide it. Right. There's no way to hide what you're going through. Well, I had a wig, but yeah. so I, I had like a long red, like Reba McIntyre wig because oh, I thought I if that. you're going to do it, like I'm not a <laughs> private person. I'm, you and I are like total opposites. <laughs> not that I put it on my Facebook or anything like that. But I did have, I did have a friend, which I'm so thankful for, who had breast cancer two years before me. So I wanted to talk to her. I wanted to ask like, okay, they said this, but it might not be anything. I might not have to have chemo. I might not, like, I'm just asking her for hope. Tell me I'm not going to have to have chemo, you know, just like, tell me it's really not true. And and she was honest with me. And the day I came home from um, having the surgery, and I was laying on the couch feeling all sorry for myself. And um, so someone knocks at my door, you know, my husband answers the door and it's Annette and she has this um, cupcakes and every cupcake looked like a little boob with a little nipple on top made out of a jelly bean. And I was like, I couldn't not laugh. Like nobody else, don't, do not try this at home if you've not had one, but um, only people who understand can are allowed, you know, like somebody else couldn't have brought me that because that's no. not funny, but she could bring it, right? Yeah. You know, so, um, and just having somebody who's been there, even if they can't help you really is like, they can't make anything different, but they can say like, I've been there and I got through it. And this is like, I'm validating what you're saying. It is hard. It does suck. Yeah. And, you know, we don't want people to understand, right. We don't want people part of this club, but when we do meet each other, there's Mm -hmm. just an automatic relatedness because, yeah. you've gone through the journey too right yeah. and no 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 one's journey is you know identical but mm-hmm. there is a common thread in there uh, the other thing too that i want to say is i couldn't agree with you more about the cupcakes yeah. <laughs> for the fact that somebody gave me a t-shirt of my boobs try to kill me and i literally don't know where it is because i was like oh my god I, 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 it 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 brought out this emotion in me that I didn't think I had. <laughs> so I get it. And you're yeah. spot on when you said like somebody who's been there is really the only person that can do that. Yeah. 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 I saw a meme this week about something else, but it said something like if, if you've never been in their shoes, don't pretend the shoes fit. Yes. Yes. Something like that, but it had a cute exactly. picture. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Exactly. Yeah. I need, I need to find that. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So you've gone through this, you've, you've rekindled your romance. You've gone through breast cancer. You've raised eight kids. So yeah. you want to talk about resilience, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Like resilience indeed. And boys on top of it. And boys. <laughs> Sorry guys. Sometimes like boys and girls are totally different. Right. Um, and at what point did you decide, I just need to share this story? I felt really like there's, and there's lots of other little stories, like two of our boys, um, uh, 
fought against addiction and um, my my son that's adopted is special needs like there you know there's like a hundred well hundreds of like little stories in each each thing but I knew I guess it was a couple years ago like I felt really strongly like you have to share your story you need to encourage and whether that was going to be like the biography of my life which it's not or whether how I was going to share it, like maybe just blogging or maybe just talking to somebody or, you know, I didn't really know how, but I really knew, like, I knew that I knew that I knew when, you know, you know, that I had to do it. I've never written before. I have a grade 12 high school education. And because I got pregnant at 19, like that's my story, part of my story. So anyway, I started just writing little stories, did a blog. Um, and then I, I just knew I had to try to write a book. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to, you know, write a little bit at a time whenever I'm working full time at a college. And, you know, we have a, we have a busy life. Like I still have one son at home who's um, 18 and my oldest son is 38, by the way. And uh, so life is busy, my husband and everything. So anyway, I got up for work one morning and I was doing my hair and I thought, wow, like my smile kind of looks crooked in the mirror you know, and, uh, I'm always pretty kind of judgmental of my face <laughs> anyways, like what is wrong? Is that a pimple? You're 57, you know, anyways, I'm looking in the mirror. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of, and the day before I had like blurry eyes, but I thought it was my prescription was changing. So those two things added up a little bit, but I had to be at the school to open it at six 7 o'clock because the whole world revolves around Tess here. You know, I am the one, no one else can do it. <laughs> so I finished putting all my makeup. I go to the college. I'm the only one there. And my boss finally comes in and I kept looking at my phone, like a little selfie looking at myself. And it's just like this, that's what it was like, like, just like totally crooked. And he came in and I said, good morning. And he said, what's wrong with your face? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's not a good sign. He said, you have to go to the hospital. So I went um, to emerge and which is like, I don't know what the, you're American, right? I'm not sure what you call it, but anyways, went to the emerge and they said, um, they thought it was a stroke. They kept me in for three days, all kinds of tests. And it was a TIA, mm -hmm. right? And I forget what that stands for, but it's right. basically, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. It's like a, so it's a warning, right? So after um, there was no long lasting effects, thank you, Lord, came home. And I said to my husband, you know, this is just a false alarm. I'm so thankful because in the middle of it, in the middle of all that and not knowing what's going on, you don't know that's what it is. And I'm laying in the hospital bed and I'm thinking, okay, God, I think you want me to share my story. And now I can't see it's blurry and I can't speak. My words are all garbled up. I couldn't, I couldn't speak the words they were in my head, but I couldn't get them out. This makes no sense. I don't understand. Maybe this is not the calling you have for me. This is what I think you want me to do. You know? So I was not happy. I was kind of grumpy. <laughs> anyway. So when I got home after three days, I said to my husband, like, it was just a false alarm. And this is what he said. This is my, my husband that I married twice said to me, Tess, maybe this is a real alarm. You know, maybe this is God saying, you only have so many days. We all have only so many days of life. Are you doing with it what you're supposed to do? Mm. And he said, I think that you need to quit jo your job, retire, retire, and, um, and write full time. And I'll just work 10 years longer. Wow. So I did. I quit like, um, I think three weeks after that, I told my boss the next day I went into work and said, I'm quitting this year. I'm retiring in three weeks and, uh, and started writing. And that was April of last year. And the book came out in June of this year. 
Yeah. It's amazing. It's like, and it's none of it is because I'm anybody, honestly, like I don't have a degree. I don't have education. And it's just, I was supposed to do it. I just did what I was supposed to do one day at a time. And now I'm speaking in front of women at, at conferences and yeah, signing books. What? Yeah. It's weird. It's a, it's a freaky world, man. (laughs) I I just love what you said. And just, you know, um, some of the smartest people I know have never gone and even um, graduated from high school. So education for me, isn't the end all be all for anything like this, but I just want to say, I am proud of you to have the courage to be like, you know what? He's right. And to also be receptive to the gift that he was giving you and being like, okay, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Right. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to write full time and I'm just going to see where this goes. Like yeah. a lot of us can't let go. We have to keep pushing forward. And that's why I always say that my diagnosis was a gift because it gave me the hit on the head, the really hard hit on the head multiple times to have me recognize, like, I need to put myself first. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I think, especially as women, we don't always give ourselves permission because there's always something to do. There's always somebody to take care of. There's always laundry. There's always whatever mm-hmm. it is. Right. And it's how we are. I think it's how we're programmed a little bit, right? Like we, we feel that we have to nurture the people in our lives and we always forget to nurture ourselves. Yeah. So if somebody hasn't said that to you already, like I am proud of you, proud of you. It, it was hard. Like it was, it was a difficult decision to stop work. I mean, it was a job, my favorite job of my whole life. I loved it. I loved all the people I worked with. It gave me a lot of satisfaction because I was like, you probably don't remember there was a TV show mash and okay. So there was radar and he was the center of everything. Right. And that was me. So I had a job that I loved because I was like looking after all these people and, and I was busy all day and like, I was making everything just run like this. Right. And I was appreciated. And then to walk away from that to this unknown, you're going to try to write a book and get a book contract. Do you know how many times people send um, book proposals to publishers and not get book contracts? And I got the first one I sent. Wow. First one. Wow. What? I know. It was shocking. But I, so I know, right? All along, I know this is the, I was doing the right thing. It was the right thing because there's so many women who need to be encouraged. Yeah. And, and that's the goal. The goal isn't to sell. I mean, sure, I want to sell millions of books, of course, but the goal is to encourage women for me, whatever that looks like, whether it's this, whether it's speaking on a stage, whether it's um, people that read my book, like whatever it is, I just want to encourage women coming after me. I love it. I love it. And I have to tell you that your story resonates with me because, you know, I had a job that I absolutely loved. You know, I am a physician assistant and I was working in oncology. <laughs> and oh, I was, wow. I was actually, um, supporting the, um, validation of iBrands. And ironically enough, it's, it's what I'm on now. Um, so I've come full circle and it's really surreal, but when I was patient facing and I was on the front lines, you know, working with metastatic cancer patients, 
I'm like, I can't heal myself right now and heal them at the same time. Right. I, it, it wasn't in alignment. So I found myself like, you know, struggling, crying on the elevator in between patients. Like, mm-hmm. and it took a lot for me to just be like, I got to find something else. Yeah. And I walked away from it and it took me a good three years for my ego mm-hmm. to finally quiet down and be like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing now, right? Like I never wanted to be a public speaker. I never wanted to have a podcast. It just kind of evolved that way. And like this upcoming weekend, I have an opportunity to speak on a pretty big stage. And I'm just like, right. I'm having a little bit of imposter syndrome, a little bit of like, what do I have to say? But just like yourself, like you just, keep moving forward and like have a belief that you are up to what you're supposed to be up to. Yeah. And it's for a reason. It's that I don't want all of this to be for no reason. Yeah. What would I have liked to hear when I was at that stage, whatever it is, the cancer thing or the raising little kids, like it would have been nice if somebody would have said, yeah, my kids also peed in the Lego bin. Then I would have been like, Oh, okay. It's happened to somebody else, you know, whatever that is just encouraging them. Because I think when I was a young mom, like, you know, all those years ago, and I, I connected with my friends, a couple of friends um, in real life, you know, so I saw their life or I connected with them on the phone and I could hear their kids yelling and screaming and, you know, pulling at their legs. So I, I knew that their life was imperfect, like mine, not perfect. But now I think young people like my daughter-in-laws and this generation connect a lot so, on social media, mm-hmm. not as much in person. And if you think that that house on Instagram with that beautiful wreath on the front door and the pumpkin on the porch, if you think that's that girl's life, like that's not real. And if you open her door and walk into her living room, there is laundry on her couch, just like yours. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have to be real. We have to bring realness. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I can't agree with you more. And the comparison game is such a difficult one, especially in today's world. Yeah. You know, I, I look at the younger girls uh, growing up and there's almost like a loss of innocence because they're exposed to so much at such mm-hmm. an early age mm-hmm. that they're influenced really early, yeah. right? Like they just can't just be a kid. They, they're, yeah. I, was, I was somewhere, I don't remember where I was, but it was like little 12 year olds walking around with like little tight miniskirts and like small little heels. And I'm like, you have your whole entire life for that. Like just be told. <sighs> I know. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, yeah, I really, I, I can't agree with you more there. So, yeah, yeah. um, you wrote this amazing book. It's now available for people to purchase. Mm-hmm. Now, how can people find you? Yeah, it's, um, it's available everywhere. You can get it on, um, at Barnes and Noble, Kohl's chapters. I saw it on walmart.com, um, Amazon, all your little indie stores. Um, you can get it online. And yeah, it's like, it's what it is, is it's a collection of short stories. So it's not like a chapter book where it all flows. You could just open it up anywhere and read. Um, Each story is probably just like two minutes long. So you can read it while you're in the bathroom and your kids are like banging on the doors or, you know, just if you're sitting in the car waiting for somebody or it, it, you know, they don't, they don't all um, one lead to the next. It's just kind of like a sort of like say chicken soup kind of thing. So it's like a story that really happened and most are embarrassing and kind of what I learned from that story and, and a verse at the end. So like a little, almost like a little devotional, but not really a devotional, just like little short stories. Yeah. 
So some are about like, I'm sorry, some are about, you know, having all like all the kids and them growing up. Some are about me growing up. Some are about breast cancer. Some are about kids and addiction, like, like all kinds of things. Yeah. And hopefully it encourages you. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I thank you for who you are in the world. And thank you for taking the chance of writing this book. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. I hope that, uh, I hope that everybody that reads it just feels really encourages, encouraged and then buys one for their sister. Yeah, I love it. I love <laughs> it. So we'll make sure in the um, information below that has that we have a link that's available for people to kind of um, discover this book and see what it's about. So just thank you so much for your time today. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's been really fun.